Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight Lab Feast Network. This is a special show. Mm. This they moment, all, they all are special. It, but this is like super extra oh, okay. special. Right. Even I, I think men should be irate they can't abort in their own wombs. Uh, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm just following the whole tranny thing. Did you? No, did no. I, did Don't I stop, do that. Stop it. Did I, did I flip stop the it. whole paradigm no. around? China follow their logic. You know, which is it's stupider. not a special show anymore. <laughs> Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the Water Boy. Good to be with you. We got four. Guests coming on for Quattro. It is a special show. Hey, this uh, show is brought to you by Accountable to You. Using a smartphone or computer opens the door to a host of digital temptations in a world saturated with pornography and other harmful content. Mm. What's a Christian to do? We need to take a proactive approach, welcoming transparency in our digital media choices and accountable to you. That's accountable. The number two you makes that easy. Their accountability software shares detailed activity reports from all your devices and your kids devices in real time to the accountability partners that you choose with Mm -hmm. accountability in place. Your family can effectively guard against temptations online and live with purity and integrity. Learn more and try it free at accountable, the number two, and then the word you, you.com. And if you want to know that, let them know that we sent you forward slash yes. FLF. And just for the record, I think I did that just as good as James White. Oh, he was pretty good, though. He, he, he was. Hey, I mean, you're great. You're great. <laughs> I, mean, I love you. Come I'm on, just saying. Hey, for, as a pitch hitter, he was pretty good. You know? <laughs> Do I still have my job? No, 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 you're great. You're great. I love you. Pastor Phil's I don't ever want to do your there. job. Never. <laughs> All right, folks, as we already mentioned, this is a special show. We are in a pivotal moment in our country, something we have not seen in 50 years. Yeah. The Roe v. Wade watershed decision that happened in 1973, which led to over 50 million babies dying in our country, is looking like it might be overturned sometime in June. Oh, that was 60. That's 60 million. I, yeah. Uh, Come on. 60. I, I'm Probably averaging low. I'm guessing low. <laughs> yeah. We have about two generations. Think about this. Yeah. We have about two generations that have mm. grown up in this country that have only known abortion as being legal. Mm-hmm. Imagine growing up in a world that never knew the idea that killing a baby was acceptable. Now, in a real sense, if Roe is overturned in June, that battle has just begun. We have had conservative states who have capitulated on abortion for decades. And even in conservative states like Idaho, yeah. where a large voting block are Mormons who believe that abortion should be illegal, except in cases of rape, incest, or in the life of the mother is at risk, yeah. the debate just got real local and much more meaningful. Mm. Instead of the battle being at the federal level, and of course we believe um, the state should have had just ignored road from the jump here, the debate will now be moved to the state, your own backyard. Now, because this is such a momentous shift and it's about to happen, to potentially uh, happen in our country. We at CrossPolitik thought we should do a special show on the historical road traveled to get here, how we got here, the legal chess played to overturn Roe, and where the fight is going to be once Roe is overturned. Because of this moment, we have four guests coming on the show today. We have uh, George Grant, who you well know, who's been fighting abortion from the beginning, David Fowler and Bradley Pierce, who have the legal chops to kind of hack through all the noise here, and Jeff Durbin, who's been working to end abortion in multiple states for over a decade. So stick around, share this important show, and be praying that the SCOTUS leak remains true 
through the firestorm and the, the final decision in June. Let Amen. me praying for your Supreme mm-hmm. Court justices yeah, right their, now. Yeah. For their safety. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. So their addresses mm-hmm. and stuff are getting leaked. Are what? they really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Jen Psaki was asked about it, and she said the president – uh, he said what, – they asked what the, what does the president think about their addresses being leaked? And, and Jen Psaki mm-hmm. uh, says, well, he understands that people feel very passionate about this. With us right now, we are wow. grateful to have Pastor George Grand. He's the pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church, director of King's Meadow Study Center, founder of both Frank- Franklin Classical School and Bannockburn College, and the coordinator of the Chalmers Fund. He's the author of dozens, probably quadrillions, quadrillion yeah. dozens <laughs> of, of books. His work on the sanctity of life has been profile- profiled in such varied media outlets as the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, Focus on the Family, the 700 Club, Coral Ridge, uh, Point of v- View, and... Cross politic. Oh, actually, there you go. Actually, it says crossfire. But uh, oh. but world Those, mag- them too. He needs to update his bio. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Grant, thank you for joining us again on Cross Politic. Oh, it's always my pleasure. Great to see you guys. Yeah, great to see you, um, Doctor Grant. Uh, so, with this report of uh, this leak of what looks like potentially a majority opinion from Samuel Alito overturning Roe versus Wade and um, the Casey decisions uh, purporting to uh, legalize or grant the right to a mother to murder her own baby. Mm. Um, and don't forget, a, a dad could murder it, his own. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> right. In the womb. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, can you sketch for us the history of the pro-life movement? I know this is like a huge question, but we know you, you can do this. The, the history of the pro-life movement over the last 50 years, and, and particularly, did you ever think you would see this day during your lifetime? Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. For, first, let me just say that the pro-life movement began at the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pro-life movement really is the whole story of Christianity. You can't separate the mm. gospel of life from the proclamation that wow. mm-hmm. all lives are sacred. Amen. It's one of the reasons why when you look at church history and you see the story of the missionaries, it's always a battle for the innocent, the poor, the despised, the rejected, the marginalized. Uh, and it's always the gospel that leads the way in the preservation of, of life and the sanctity of life. But in the United States, the strong pro-life laws were put into place in the 1860s and 70s, quick on the heels of the war between the states, the Civil War. And uh, those laws uh, were a very, very uh, clear cut uh, that any violation of the womb was murder. Mm. And that was the case in every single state in the union. Until the 1960s, you start to have liberalization in a number of states. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, all the way up through Roe v. Wade, 32 states still had laws against the murder of the unborn in the wombs of their mothers. I was in high school in 1971 when the Roe case began uh, with a 26-year-old Texas attorney uh, defending the uh, right to abort of a young woman, unmarried woman, uh, Jane Roe, as she came to be known as, uh, and uh, I had the opportunity to actually hear Henry Wade, the district attorney of Dallas, the city that I grew up in, uh, talk about the case on the steps of the the, the courthouse wow. in downtown Dallas. 
so I, I have been connected with, uh, one way or another, the pro-life movement since before there really was a pro-life movement in the United States. Uh, first time I ever went to an abortion clinic uh, to pray, it was me and three nuns in tennis shoes. <laughs> so so the, the, the pro-life movement really is the span of my entire adult life. Wow. I have seen everything from initiatives with uh, National Right to Life in Washington, D.C., lobbying efforts, the building up of big pro-life institutions, the birth of crisis pregnancy centers, uh, the burgeoning of Planned Parenthood's international uh, abortion business becoming the world's most profitable nonprofit organization. Wow. Uh, and um, and I have seen, you know, setback after setback as states have attempted to regulate the, um, the, the procedures in their own states. Uh, we've seen the federalization based upon the Roe v. Wade decision, which, by the way, despite what everyone is saying, uh, there are no federal laws regarding right. abortion. Uh, the reason that we have federalized the right to abortion is the cowardice of local magistrates, mm -hmm. state magistrates. Uh, it's just like the Obergefell decision. There is no federal law requiring same-sex marriage. Uh, the only law that was overthrown was a single law in the state of Oregon. Uh, so... One of the things that uh, that we have attempted to do over the years is uh, is a threefold plan. One, uh, remind our local magistrates of what their responsibilities are. Number two, uh, provide care uh, for women through crisis pregnancy centers and uh, through outreach programs. Uh, but uh, third, and perhaps most importantly, uh, it's been the, the heartbeat of the pro-life movement to simply call the church to be the church, mm -hmm. to call the church to proclaim the whole gospel, to call the church to preach the word, to call the church to disciple our families, to call the church to teach fathers how to be fathers, to accept mm. their responsibilities, to call the church to love children, to call the church to minister to the wider community. If Roe is indeed overturned, those three responsibilities, remind our magistrates of what their job is, number one, uh, number two, care for women and children in their distress, and number three, to call the church to be the church will continue to be our job. In other words, if Roe is overturned, our job doesn't change. That's right. Some of the circumstances change, but our job doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Pastor Grant, um, what was going on before 1973 that got us 1973? What was going on in the culture um, that got us abortion? Well, part of what was going on was a reaction against the 1950s through a concerted effort of uh, leftists in academia, as well as the burgeoning uh, youth 
um, and, and sexual revolution movements. So you have uh, you, you have these simultaneous pressures that that occur. And uh, I can remember early on in the 1970s, uh, publishing houses like Regnery and Arlington House, publishing all of these books about conspiracy, uh, conspiracy in academia, conspiracy in the big mm-hmm. institutions like the Ford and Rockefeller Foundations mm-hmm. uh, to fund the undermining of the ideas and the principles of Western civilization, and in particular, uh, the Ozzy and Harriet Leave It to Beaver 1950s uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, so what, what you have is the beginnings of an elitist reaction against the foundational moral principles of the land. Uh, meanwhile, you have uh, this accelerating consumer culture that is distracted from principial things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the church gets distracted, uh, the wider culture gets distracted, we become intoxicated with easy entertainment and uh, e- easy mm-hmm. uh, fleshly satisfaction, uh, what Harold O.J. Brown called the sensate culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, our children are being educated with an alien worldview in the schools. They go off to college, they get more of that alien worldview. And with the sexual revolution, the big push by organizations like Planned Parenthood, you have the beginnings of the collapse of consensus. Dr. Grant, I, um, that's phenomenal, by the way. Thank you yeah. for explaining that. Um, I'm going to try and vomit out a question here. <laughs> this is just all over the place. So just try and take what you can and make sense out of it. I don't think you can look at the uh, abortion movement right now apart from understanding the idea of personhood. That has been at the very core of this, which to me connects all the way back to when you said 1860s and 1870s. That has connected all the way back to the issue of slavery and black people in America How is it that during the civil rights movement, the idea of personhood coming to a true reality of how you function in America, being able to vote, having full rights is over is comes to a reality where black people can vote. The person 1960s. Yeah. 1960s. The, the, the moral movement right now is high. People are repenting. It seems like in some way of missing this about an African-American, right? They're missed We've missed it for so long. And now we need to change. And so here it is. Let's the civil rights movement brings this high sense of morality to America. The civil rights act is passed. Roe v. Wade is right on the other side of it. While this sense of personhood is being asked in the American culture, how do we get a personhood acknowledged to be able to vote and have rights? And then let's kill that person at the same time. Happening seven years, uh, six, uh, eight years of each other simultaneously in the yeah, culture. Yeah. Well, two, two things, I think, help us explain those kinds of, of omissions. Uh, one is that we're always really selective in how we apply morality. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. very selective. Mm-hmm. And our selectivity always follows fashions. Part of what happened uh, with the civil rights movement was uh, there was a fashionable shift among our national leaders uh, to take kind of moral high ground, although, as we have seen, it was a shallow 
commitment to real and substantive equality. And so that selectivity was really easy. It, it always happens. Uh, and the reason it always happens, number two, is that when we do not ground our moral standards on biblical principles right. that are comprehensive and universal, they will always be selective. They will always be rooted in on, fashion. Now. Yep. So That's we right. had a fashionable civil rights movement. Wow. We have a fashionable gay rights movement. Uh, but it's very selective. If you try and apply the principles that the LGBTQ, RST, LMNOP, um, <laughs> if you were to apply their principles to, say, a, a Christian case uh, fighting for free speech, uh, you quickly find that all of your natural allies abandon you in a New York second. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the truth is we're always very selective. We're fallen, we're myopic, uh, we're forgetful people, uh, which is why we need the gospel. And mm -hmm. then secondly, if we're going to have morals uh, that we apply to public theology, uh, we've got to make sure uh, that we're grounding that in biblical principles. And this, by the way, is the big difference between being a culture warrior and doing public theology. Mm. A culture warrior doesn't necessarily have to have the grounding of biblical principles. They can pick and choose. They have a cafeteria approach. Uh, but when you ground things in biblical theology, you're not a culture warrior. Suddenly you're doing public theology. You're simply applying a Christian uh, worldview. Right. That's good. Um, maybe another way to ask a follow-up question on That's what Knox was just asking is it sounds like what you're saying is that the civil rights movement then wasn't really deep repentance on the part of, uh, of America, but rather was a, a faddish turn of, uh, you know, of, of, um, culture, but not really deep seated, heartfelt repentance to God. Mm -hmm. Um, assuming that there's, you know, that that's roughly what you're saying. What do you think about this, um, this leaked opinion by Samuel Alito? It, I don't know how much you've had a chance to read it or look at it. Um, but if this goes to press, if this is what is in fact released in the next few weeks, um, as the majority opinion overturning Roe versus Wade, um, are are you are we um, witnessing repentance in our land for the slaughter of the unborn, um, or is this just another lurch in our postmodernism? Well, well, I'm not sure that it's another lurch in postmodernism. I've read all 98 pages. It's really, really strong. Okay. Uh, this this thing like the final decision, but this is really, really strong. It has scathing, scathing. Uh, comments about the way the road decision was made, how it was based. Essentially, though, what it is, is it's a legal document rooted in constitutional and judicial precedent. So it's not a declaration of repentance. It's not a declaration of essential principles um, regarding the sanctity of life. It's simply saying this wasn't constitutional and there is no support for this in legal precedent, in American legal precedent. Uh, common law uh, is violated by, by Roe v. Wade. 
That's what it says. So, no, we're not looking at this moment of profound repentance. We're simply seeing a corrective, uh, which, by the way, provides a legal pathway for the pro-abortionists to, you know, correct the language and to approach this rather than from, a, say, a 14th Amendment perspective, uh, approach it a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also, it's, it's like so many of the personhood laws, which have been struck down uh, by the courts. It, uh, it, it provides a way for us to start to perfect our language. But, you know, the solution to this problem, and this is not a legal problem. Uh, abortion in America is not a legal problem. Right. It's right. a heart problem. Right. It's a gospel problem. Mm. And, That's why we've got to get back to that essential truth that while we do need to remind our magistrates of what their job is, and while we do need to care for women and children in distress, uh, we've got to make sure that the church is the church, that the church exercises courage, that the church preaches Mm. and teaches and practices the word. Mm. That's right. Wow. Amen. Dr. Grant. You just want to close the show right there? <laughs> <laughs> we can just end it right there. Dr. Grant, thank you so much. Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Fees Network. That's Go right. listen to his podcast. It's amazing. More coming up next on Cross Politic. David Fowler and Bradley Pierce next on Cross Politic. Uh, that's good. We could end right there. <laughs> Home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Welcome back to Cross Politic. Man, Pastor Grant, he always gets me. I know. Man, Every time. remember that conversation we had with him in, in, in uh, is, where is that conversation in about? Tennessee? Yeah, the pro life movement. I mean, we, he talked us through that in the, in the church building. Remember we recorded that? Oh, yes, that is in the, in the, in the, is that, um, is that in the club, club portal. portal. I was club, crying. If you got a club membership, you got to check out that talk. I don't he know what made it's me cry. Find right? George Grant's talk. <laughs> oh, that's uh, our uh, uh, pastors and politics. Yes. Politics. Politics. Oh, my goodness. Man, find him. If it, you don't cry, you're not human. It's, it's so, I'm sorry. It's so encouraging. Yeah. Um, Lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge. That's the theme of this year's National Fight Laugh East Conference in Knoxville, Tennessee, October 6th through the 8th. Mm. Uh, it's this theme, lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge, because, well, haven't we had a bit of that? <laughs> Satan is the father of lies, and the mother of those lies is a government who has rejected God. We Thanks. have especially been lied to these last two years, and the COVID panic has been one of the central mechanisms that our government has used to lie to us and then grab more power. Because Christians have not been reading their Bibles, we are susceptible to the lies and weak in our ability to fight them. God has given us his word to fight Satan and his lies, and we need to recover all of God's word. It's serrated edges Mm. and all. Mark your calendars for October 6th through the 8th as we fight, laugh, and feast with fellowship, beer, and psalms. Our amazing lineup of speakers hanging with our awesome vendors, meeting new friends, and more. 
I just love meeting everybody. I do too. We go this conference. It's the best part. It's just I mean, just come and hang out with us. We would love to hang out with you. Early bird tickets are available now, so it's Mm -hmm. cheaper now. I think through like May or something. And uh, remember, if you're a club member, you get a hundred dollars off. So you could get George Grant's Pastors and Politics talk. (laughs) It's true. And a hundred dollars off to the conference in October. With us, our second guest on this special show is David Fowler, president of the Family Action Council of Tennessee. And it's amazing he's come back on Cross Politic again. Three times now. I know. Yeah. I mean, he's he's uh, yeah he's a three piece. Must not have nothing else to do. Uh, he's <laughs> also the author of the Politics of Loving God, Courageous Truths for Contentious Times, and Recovering the Constitution using the Ninth Amendment. To, did you know there was a Ninth Amendment? <laughs> I do now because yeah. of David Fowler uh, to restore civil liberty. His newest book is called The Naked Court. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's the Naked Court, but. I like saying naked. naked. Understanding and resisting a damnable United States Supreme Court. Whoa, he's using strong serrated edge there. For a limited <laughs> time, you can get a free downloadable PDF of the book. Get it. The Naked Court. Um, and he's going to tell us about it. David, thank you for coming back on Cross Politic. Hey, it's great. And I just hope this isn't three strikes and you're out. This is my third time. <laughs> We're going to try one more time, David, and just try to get it right this time, okay? Okay, okay. Hey. I, I think y'all are the best podcast in all of America, perhaps in the cosmos, and and probably the three most handsome men gathered together since the three musketeers. Stop wow. it. Stop it. Wow. That, that's going to be a commercial. Right there. <laughs> David, most of the pro-life world is ecstatic right now. Yeah. At the potential right. of Roe versus Wade and Casey being overturned by this leaked opinion by Alito, uh, which appears to potentially be the majority opinion coming down in a few weeks here. Um, mm-hmm. But rumor on the street is <laughs> you're not so very excited. Why are you not so excited? Well, it's it's a good first step, but it's it's kind of like uh, you know, in the in the ninth inning, you walk the first runner uh, to uh, to base, and but you still got to get him across the plate, right? And hey, and so I like that analogy. That's how. So this this is how I kind of look at it. You you wanted to get rid of of, of Roe versus Wade and the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision, and and so if this opinion stands, those things are, are gone, but the 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 court I, I actually wrote this week in my commentary, maybe Jeff's already talked about it or George, but the court begins with saying abortion is a profound moral question, and it ends in the last paragraph. We 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 come to the end where we began. Abortion is a profound moral question, mm-hmm. but they profess to know nothing about the profound moral question of whether the unborn is a person. Mm-hmm. And and really. The, the whole problem that I've seen for years is that once the court found there was a right to abortion, the whole strategy was to attack whether or not there is a right to abortion in the Constitution rather than assert that there is actually a right of all persons to life, which necessarily limits the liberty of any person to take the life of another person without due process of law. So, so we got rid of the evil, but we didn't accomplish the good. We, we, we didn't ask the question and the court was very clear. The issue in this case is whether states have the authority to regulate abortion. And, and, you know, interestingly, the way in essence it's sort of framed is, well, this is just another medical procedure that states regulate all the time, medical procedures. So why can't they regulate this medical procedure, which is to be honest, the way they kind of looked at it in the original Roe decision, 
this is a medical decision. Wow. And, and this is one that, you know, women should be able to make freely, but they didn't address in row the, the, the common law understanding of persons. In fact, what was disingenuous about Roe, it was the, the court in this Dobbs case said, uh, you know, Roe actually ignored parts of the common law and some of it, they just flat got wrong, which was true. But part of what Roe ignored that Alito ignored is that in, in Roe, the court said, we understand the unborn are often treated as persons, that we appoint guardian ad litems for them in court because they need to be represented, especially with respect to property interests. Mm. But they ignored the fact that, well, how in one sentence can a person be the unborn for per- property, but not be persons for life? The sentence reads, persons for life and property. So, so they misrepresented the common law and they left that part of the row misrepresentation of common law intact. And that's the question we now have to address because until somebody defines what a person is, this will never be resolved. And in fact, the reason you're, you're seeing Congress now pushing is because they want Congress to use section five of the 14th amendment, little discussed, but it's the section that actually says the rights under the fourth amendment are to be enforced by statutes by Congress. Mm-hmm. So Congress has the power to, to say, well, we're going to define the unborn as persons, or we're going to define uh, persons as just the postnatal persons who have consciousness and feelings and sentient thoughts and blah, 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 blah. And then depending on how Congress defines persons, they can either prohibit abortion laws or they can allow all abortion laws. And, and so I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say the issue has been returned to the states. It has been until somebody can get enough control of Congress to decide it through Section 5 for everybody. David, that's really helpful. Um, I, I was going to ask you actually about Chuck Schumer. He's said he's going to bring a, a bill to Senate next week, uh, apparent, yep. you know, to defend abortion rights, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps define right. personhood uh, for us. We, you know, I don't know if he has the votes to do anything or not. But um, do you think? I mean, it, it struck me hearing that that sometimes liberals know how to fight better than Christians. Um, do, do, do you think do you think he's th- that the liberal reaction to this um, SCOTUS leak is showing that to be true, or do you think we um, that God's going to give us uh, some some fight in our blood? Well, I do think um, you know they we're we're playing checkers most of the time, and they're playing chess or something, uh, maybe even more complicated than chess. And <laughs> I found that in my legislative experience for twelve years in the state senate. You know, we'd think to point two or three on the scale and they were at five somewhere already, you know, and, and you would fall into their traps easily if you weren't careful. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, the reason you have to define what a person is, this is what I'm thinking. And y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but just this morning I was thinking God's creational law cannot be forever suppressed, ignored, or treated as abolished. And, and so the image of God resides in persons. And as long as you're going to continue to ignore that, God will say, no, I have to bring that to an end. Mm-hmm. My creational ordinances and laws regarding the nature of things cannot be abolished. I came to redeem my creation, 
restore my creational laws. I, that's the purpose of the cross. I'm restoring the image of God and man, wow. and you've still continued to ignore it. Mm-hmm. And so my judgment and my wrath still rests on you because of the profound moral question mm. that informs whether or not abortion is good or bad, you won't answer. Mm. And the problem is our side has never asked. Wow. Mm. That's why I've... That's why I've been proposing mm. using the Ninth Amendment and the Rule of Law Life Act. <laughs> That's what I want to ask you about, David. That issue. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about what is where is the Ninth Amendment and how does it play a role now? <clears throat> in, in, in what way does it play a role now that it looks like Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned? Well, as I said, what, what, what we now have is each state is entitled to determine whether all human beings are persons. Okay. And, and this is why I wrote this week that in some ways, Alita's opinion is worse than Dred Scott. Oh. In Dred Scott, they, in Dred Scott, they said that a slave or his ancestors were of such an inferior class of beings. That's their word that they, they, they could not have intended to be able to rise to the level of a U.S. citizen. Oh. And they said, of course, states have the prerogative to decide who are citizens of the state. So in other words, a slave or his descendants could have been a person under the U S constitution entitled to due process of law under the fifth amendment relative to the federal government, but just been unclaimed by any government. In other words, chalk, you're a person, but you're just not a citizen of anywhere. Kind of like Baptist. Well, well, I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm well, sorry. The, that came well, up. The, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, you keep going. That's David. all right. Um, but, but now the unborn are not necessarily even persons of anywhere. So in New York, you're not a person for the U S constitution, nor are you a person in the United States. That's worse than Dred Scott was treated. Wow. He's at least still a person. Do you see? I see. Yeah. Difference between citizenship and personhood. Yeah. At least, at least, yes. at least, uh, what's his name? Taney in the, in the Dred Scott case, yeah. um, granted them personhood, right? but Alito hasn't even granted them personhood. He was uh, making a distinction between well, citizenship yeah. and personhood. Yeah. Uh. And, and, you know, I don't know what, what Taney would have done if, if presented the question a person, Sure, but at least he didn't deny that they, they weren't persons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just said, you're not citizens. Wow. Wow. This opinion never reaches the question of where you're a person. And so some states can say you're not even a person anywhere. Mm. Wow. David, where can people listen to your podcast at on iTunes? What's the name of it? I think people need to be listening to it. It's a wonderful podcast. I really enjoy it. And how can they follow you? You're welcome. Um, The podcast is called, called God, Law and Liberty. And uh, our website, where you can find it there, and you can find my weekly Friday commentary that's talking about Dred Scott, is FACTennessee.org. So that stands for Family Action Council, Tennessee.org. Appreciate you, David. Keep yes, up the great really work, good. Thank you very really much, good. David. You. Blessings. Keep up the great good work. Great to be with you. Do I get a fourth try someday? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll send you a report card after this. <laughs> we'll let you know how this show does, and then after that. You know, I, this, that's, that is scary that we are in a situation right now where it seems like we're doing good. We're moving along, I know, right. but we're, we're it's like, I, I, I liked his, his analogy. I, and of course I'm a baseball fan. So it really like I really resonated with me, you know, really resonated with me, yeah. but, but we, we, it's the ninth inning and we walked a guy. You know, I was thinking more of like the kind of the, 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 um, 
Leviticus analogy and the one that Jesus talks about where you cast out one demon, but if you don't put the right yeah. thing in it, you get yeah. seven more. Seven come. more back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I, oh, I feel like that we're in a place good. right now yeah, where that's really it looks good. like we're cleaning house. looks like yeah. we're getting there. But if we're not careful, if we don't define the thing and put the right thing inside, we're going right. to end up getting something mm-hmm. worse that comes back at the end of right. this. Right. And, you know, this is, I want to, I want to talk to Jeff about this and I want to talk to Bradley about this too. You know, um, what does this start to look like for the states? Right. Yeah. And and yeah. what are states going to lean on at the end of the day right. to be able to fight this battle? Because right. now it feels like watching everyone else, uh, people are making decisions about where they're going to land at this. I, I right. told Jason Willock, I don't think you're going to be able to buy a candy bar without either supporting pro-life or <laughs> yeah. Planned Parenthood. Or, or Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I think right. that's the way. Right. I mean, even go. Levi Jeans. Levi, that's right. Levi Jeans is like, we are going to pay for our employees. That we're going to send them out of yeah. state to get abortions. Absolutely. Uh, but if that's in Texas, I think you can... Um, uh, Sue, but, that, but that's that my point: pay. is yeah. that the company's <laughs> yeah. going to start shifting yeah. and moving yeah. too yeah. because yeah. of right. where they yeah. can. They're going to have to move their their headquarters. Yeah. That's exactly right. Wow! Hey, with us next up, we're really grateful to have Bradley Pierce. He's the co-founding attorney of Heritage Defense, where he helps defend the parental rights of Christian homeschooling families around the country Ooh. against threats by social services. Come on, Bradley! After being homeschooled in the late '80s, we won't hold that against you. Through graduation. Bradley earned a degree in history and English from Baylor University while serving as student body vice president and then went on to earn a Juris Doctor degree from Baylor Law School. Ooh. You can say it. Go ahead. Come on. Yay, mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah, but he went to Baylor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Bradley and his wife, Cindy, have seven kids. Ooh. Bradley, thanks for coming back on Cross Politic. It's been a while, but thank you. It has been a while, and I know because that intro you just read was pretty old. We actually have 10 kids now. Oh, look at God. Hey, Bradley, you baptizing them babies, right? Uh, Once they profess belief. Oh, snap. Give them a citizenship, Bradley. <laughs> Don't let them float out there, baby. Oh, we got They are a person. I mean, you heard what Come David on, Fowler brother. just said Dress, now. Scott up in Personhood now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ooh, uh, we didn't know what we were getting into. Um, so, uh, Bradley, um, we know you've been uh, busy at work protecting children, protecting families, um, uh, particularly in Texas. Uh, we've had this uh, SCOTUS leak um, and the potential of this majority opinion by Samuel Alito all over the place. Liberals shrieking, lighting their hair on fire. Uh, a lot of uh, pro-lifers ecstatic and excited about the possibility of Roe and Casey being overturned. Bradley, what's your take on um, what, what are we on the verge of, the cusp of? Is this momentous? Uh, why or why not? Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a positive development, uh, but I think some people are probably taking it too far. That's kind of the bottom line mm. that um, I'm, I'm grateful to see that the Supreme Court is recognizing, at least in their draft, you know, from February. And, right. And hopefully, that's, hopefully that holds until they release the official version, you know, probably the next few weeks. Um, you know, that if, if that holds true, then they're saying Roe versus Wade was an unconstitutional decision, which is what we at Abolish Abortion Texas and the Foundation Abolish Abortion and Abolitionists have been saying for a long time. That's right. Uh, yep. I'm glad to see the Supreme Court's finally agreeing with us Facts. that Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional and they're treating it the way that we've been telling people to treat it for a long time. So grateful to see that and uh, hope that that holds uh, for the next few weeks and that that's their final opinion. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that abortion is going to end across the country or really, you know, that it's going to completely end anywhere at all. And it certainly doesn't, you know, mean that as your previous guest, Dave, was talking about, you know, that still doesn't mean that they're recognizing the personhood of preborn children, uh, you know, which 
the 14th Amendment and many state constitutions say that, you know, the states can't deny the equal protection to persons, um, you know, it, Roe versus Wade, or this decision in Dobbs looks like they're not going to go that far and declare them to be persons. Bradley, um, what um, are, are you familiar with the Federalist Society? And um, and if if I mean it seem it sounds like seems like just broadly, um, you know, it, the, that was the group of judges that Trump promised that he would appoint. Uh, you know, some some smarty got him to you know commit pro- to that, commit to yeah. that, and then he kept his promise and 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 appointed uh, judges uh, from the Federal Society. Uh, do you see that as a significant um, part of this story? Um, and if so, um, I don't even know a whole lot about exactly what they hold to. And does that play into maybe the strengths and possibly the weaknesses of what we're seeing happening right now? I think so. I mean, the Federal Society does, does a lot of good stuff. When I was in law school, I was actually part of the Federalist Society. And uh, so there's a lot of positive things there. A lot of them hold to, you know, the doctrine of original intent, uh, that we should interpret the Constitution that way, or textualism is another kind of branch uh, that they hold to. So that's, that's you know, a lot better <laughs> than, than most other ways of interpreting the Constitution. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think what we're seeing here is a result of, you know, judges who align with that, um, you know, reaching these conclusions, you know, again, Oh, you know, good, just not far enough. They're not, they're not going as far as deciding that if you know, preborn children are a person that are the 14th amendment requiring equal yeah. protection. And, and one reason that I think the court's not going that far is that no one's asking them to, um, mm. other than mm. our brief, you know, that we filed and maybe one, maybe two others, mm. you know, Mississippi, is not asking them that they explicitly said that, and they explicitly, when asked by Judge Kavanaugh during or Justice Kavanaugh during oral arguments, they said, "No, you know, the Constitution is neutral when it comes to abortion, Ugh. and we don't believe that because the Constitution is not neutral about person persons and about them requiring equal protection, and so we don't believe it is neutral." Um, but that's that's what Mississippi was arguing, and that's what the justices went with, and then the justices normally are not going to go further than what the parties are arguing for. So, you know, that's part of it. I think that they're, you know, they just, they're not going any further than what was asked of them. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Um, go ahead. Okay. Um, if, if, if Rose overturned, I'm, I'm just uh, beating my head trying to think what, what's the ground game going to look like Yeah. if, if Rose overturned? I mean, I think the first battle is going to be a Congress. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, because the way that Alito put it, at least in his draft opinion, uh, was that this this issue should be returned to the people's representatives? Uh, so he didn't. You know, a lot of people were like, "All right, it's going back to the states." Like, well, hey, not so fast. You know, we have some representatives. You know, before we even get to the states, you know, at the federal level, and I think Lito was not excluding them. So that's why you see, you know, Chuck Schumer, uh, Bernie Sanders, yeah. that are saying, "Hey, let's codify Roe," and you know. Hey, let's keep this thing going for for another forty nine plus years, and I think that's where the fight's going to be, and that's where we have to we have to have our attention and be be ready to fight there. Uh, you know, one of the things that's been crazy, Bradley, is watching governors like Christine Nome come out and say, "Hey, get me a bill so I can make abortion illegal here in South Dakota." And I remember I almost broke my iPhone when I read that because I'm like, "Where you been at?" 
Where, where you been? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't act hard now. And then on the other side of this, I'm watching people like Gavin uh, Newsom. Newsom out yeah. there Newsolini. In, in California act like he's got a huge set of cojones. Yeah. And I'm like, where where the conservatives been at? Yeah, yeah, he's sitting here acting like, hey, we won't. We abortion's gonna be uh, legal here. He's, he's saying even things like, hey, we might even kill them after they're born. Yeah, he, they're going, yeah, they were full infanticide. Let's go that way. I mean, yeah. it's been amazing to watch that kind of turn from the left. Why didn't conservatives in the beginning just never pay attention to Roe v. Wade from jump? You know, I, I think. It's some some of it's in the name right there. That is conservatives, and I I use one. You know, the, the the problem is we're all about conserving, we're all about defending, and we're never on the offense. We're never trying to take ground or try to get ground back. It's just, hey, how how can what's the least amount of surrender I can do at Ooh. a time? And that's been the conservative movement for a long time, uh, sadly. And I think we've got to stop that. We've got to start taking ground. We've got to start being proactive instead of reactive. And, and that's what we're seeing here as well. You know, the, I think the conservative, you know, uh, response is the default response is, all right, we won. Let's go home. Yep. It's like, no, the battle is just beginning. It's going to be at the federal level. It's going to be the states, you know, mm-hmm. even states that have trigger bills and things like that, 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 you know, they still don't provide equal protection. Mothers can still abort their babies. They just can't go hire a physician to do it for them. Mm. And now there's all these, you know, recipes out there for how to kill your baby or how to go across the border and get the drugs or how to get oh. the mail in, you know, and people doing it yourself. I, I mean, that's just going to explode until we provide equal protection. And that's where conservatives need to wake up. You know, I, 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 my stab at this is we just elect beta males in the conservative party. We've been doing it for decades, <laughs> which is why Christy Noem and, other ladies are right. better beta males than, yeah, than the, our beta males we elect. Right. Ouch. Yeah. 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 I think that's fair. Like, I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I think she's been the, the strongest outspoken. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. has DeSantis said anything yet? Really? With, I haven't. With I haven't seen DeSantis say anything. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, Bradley, have you? I haven't heard anything. Nope. Yeah. yeah. Man, he's uh, no way. What about Governor Abbott? Has Governor Abbott said anything? I haven't heard anything out of him either. Do you think, um, Bradley, I mean, so there's at least been this, I mean, I think it's been wrong. People should have ignored Roe from jump, just like they should have ignored Dred Scott from jump. Um, but uh, they didn't, we didn't, they, you know, conservative, whatever, beta male problem. Um, you know, we can't go against the court. It's not likely to succeed, whatever. Um, with the reversal of Roe versus Wade and Casey, do you think, though, that maybe it just sort of breaks the dam a little bit? Um, even if um, Congress maybe tries to pass something, um, do states you know, see this as uh, conservative states, particularly Christian states in particular, see this as an opportunity maybe to begin actually having some backbone, growing, growing a set and saying, you know what, we're going to stand here. We're going to protect the children in our state. Um, come get us. <laughs> um, you know, I've got a goose right here. <laughs> so I'm right here by a river. I'm a goose oh, is gonna come after you. Uh oh. Uh, no, okay. Why yeah. you touch that goose? You get more. My feet cuts. You know what happens? Okay. <laughs> you be careful with that goose. You'll get more jail time kicking that goose, and more abortion doctors will get. Uh, you're right. You're right. Actually, we. I was down in Louisiana earlier this week, and uh, and there that they have a trigger bill, but it only provides a one thousand dollar fine for the abortion for killing a baby, but for cruelly attacking an animal like this goose over here. You can get a $25,000 time. So, so even under a trigger bill wow. that would go into effect if Rose overturned, you know, a, a, this, you know, this goose over here is 25 times more protected than babies are. 
Mm. So, mm. so Brad, I, sorry to interrupt Pastor's question, but do you think that this is give some conservatives a backbone at all inside of this fight right now with the overturning of Roe? You know, I, I, again, I, I'm a super optimistic person. That's, I just live optimistic. But when it comes to politics, I can be pretty cynical <laughs> and pretty skeptical. And, and especially when it comes to this battle, I mean, I, I was in, in a committee even this week, again, in Louisiana, testifying for a bill down there to abolish abortion. And even after this leak, there's still people saying like, well, wait a second. We, we can't just de- defy Roe versus Wade. It's like <laughs> the Supreme court's about to defy Roe versus Wade. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, come on. I mean, the, the, this, this, uh, this enemy is already on the ground. All you got to do is walk up and kick him. Yeah. You know I mean? It's, come on and you're not even willing to do it then. So, mm. you know, I hope so. And I hope that there's a lot more Christians who are going to hold their feet to the fire. And I hope that there's a lot, a lot more people in politics who are willing to be leaders than there are right now. Uh, and that they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll stand up and do something. Bradley, what's your Twitter handle? How can people follow you and keep track of what you're doing? I'm at Bradley W Pierce on Twitter and people can follow me there or the foundation to abolish abortion, FAA.life or abolishabortiontx.org. Mm. You know, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that Roe was a terrible decision. That's right. Even Ruth Bader... Oh, oh my gracious. Speaking of Louisiana, we got Jeff Durbin coming up next. Yes. Talking about what's going on down there. You don't want to miss this. More Cross Politic coming up next. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. Man, I like how we, we did this show. We got pastors as the bookends hey. with the lawyers in the middle. That's hey. actually a good idea. That's how it should be. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a chiasm right there. <laughs> Welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Today's culture shifts like sand, but New St. Andrews College is established on Christ, the mm. immovable rock. Woo. It is a premier institution. I graduated from there. That forges evangelical leaders who don't fear or hate the world, guided by God's word. They take the world back because they're equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom, thanks to a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom. There's no website here, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways. Go to nsa.edu. They have that well known. Yeah. The the real NSA. (laughs) Yeah, the real Mm -hmm. National Security Agency. Hey, with us (laughs) on the line right now, we're grateful to have Pastor Jeff Durbin. He's the head of End Abortion Now and a teaching elder at Apologia Church in Mesa, Arizona, near where we're going to be. In yes. just a couple weeks. And Jeff's coming on the live show. I know. With us. Uh, the with end the of our, our Liberty Tour. We're yeah. grateful to be there. There's still some room. May 19th. People can sign up. Yeah. Uh, what do they do? FLF they go Network. to FLFnetwork.com for, and, and click on shop and you'll find it. Shop and look for Liberty yep. Tour. We're going to be down in Phoenix. Talking about the tools of Liberty. Jeff mm-hmm. and Delano Squires. Anyways, um, Jeff, thanks for coming back on Cross Politic. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Love you guys. Hey, uh, we appreciate you too. And I know you've been down in 
uh, Louisiana, doing and Colorado, and Pennsylvania. He's been all over the place. Yeah, everywhere, but killing per- it, particularly in Louisiana this last week. Um, and I, I believe it was you were there when this leak broke uh, from uh, this this uh, you Scotus know, Scotus opinion that purports to possibly be a majority opinion overturning Roe versus Wade. And I'm sure that as you were campaigning there in Louisiana to end abortion in Louisiana, all the, the lawmakers, as soon as they heard the leak, they, they were like, oh, never mind. We can just ban abortion, right? It was just like easy once once they saw they heard the leak, right? <laughs> well, it was, it was a powerful one. Actually, I had just gotten back uh, from Louisiana. We've been there a couple times in the last couple of weeks, going back again on Monday, uh, so pray for us. We're going to be there for the vote, and uh, we're meeting with some legislators to try to encourage them and uh, call them to Christ and to consistency and uh, answer any questions they might have. But yeah, actually, I wanted to tell you guys about that. It was it was really cool. Um, there are so many legislators, uh, strong believers who were there um, that were like, yes, this is our bill. This is consistent with what we believe, what we're wow. trying to do. This is the one. Um but, of course, the banter was, what do we do about the fact that the Supreme Court uh, gave us that ruling with Roe versus Wade? Like, how do we respond to that? And so, obviously, we were answering those objections, saying things like Roe is not law. It's a court opinion. Uh, Congress creates law in our country, those right. sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But the, the language was constantly like, what do you do about Roe? What do you do about Roe? Uh, we were just saying, be courageous and defy it because uh, it's not it's not the law. Right. But you guys will love this. So I was a little bit of a sad sap the week before the leak happened because we were supposed to get the, we were supposed to get the hearing for our bill that week, uh-huh. but they were drag they were dragging their feet and they were ho humming and, and things like that. You know, stuff was getting in the way. And so we were all sort of sad sap saying, man, we, we wish it would have happened while we were here. And uh, you know, why didn't that happen? And then they scheduled it for that Wednesday. Uh, and then Monday night, before the Wednesday, right. the leak from the Supreme Court came out, <laughs> which gave which gave the legislators in Louisiana a full twenty four hours to contemplate. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like I like God's timing better than mine. Amen. Uh, Amen. A lot better, but uh, that was a huge blessing to see that. So, um, Jeff, do tell us about exactly where is this bill and, and, the, and what is the bill and where is it in, in the Louisiana legislative process? So the bill is an equal protection for all human life bill. It is consistent with the law word of God. It's consistent with our Christian presuppositions. It's consistent with biology. Uh, what's in uh, the womb is human life from conception. And you guys will really love this. Uh, our bill specifically says that what's in the womb is in the image of God. Amen. Um, Amen. And so this is a bill that is Christian through and through. Uh, the bill also has an aspect to it where it basically says that uh, if any court or federal power, whatever, yes. uh, attempts to subvert the protection of human life in our state, they will reject it. Wow. Uh, yes. So it's essentially an equal protection bill and it's a defy any higher magistrate that violates the law of God or uh, um, the the protection of human life. Um, So where it's at in the process is this is historic. Uh, It's historic for two reasons. Number one, um, it's historic because it's a bill that is fundamentally Christian. Um, It's a bill that says equal protection for all human life, no compromise. So it's historic in that aspect, but also it's historic because this is the first bill 
in 50 years of Roe versus Wade, where you have a bill of equal protection uh, that not only has made its way in, but uh, has passed the hearing stage and it passed it overwhelmingly. It was seven to two. Mm. Um, And uh, so it's going to vote on the floor. And what we've been told, because uh, we're constantly working, constantly communicating with the legislators. With, I mean, this is a this is a lot of work, but it's a huge blessing to be a part of it. What we're being told, we just found out this morning, is that all the legislators who have been spoken to up to this point, who are voting on Thursday, have all said that they're voting uh, yes on HBA 13. Wow. Um, and so we have 68 Republican pro-lifers in the House. Uh, we only need 53 to pass it. Um, and everyone we've talked to has said at this point that they're going to pass HBA 13. That's so obviously incredible. anything can happen from now till then. Sure. Uh, there are already threats uh, coming against Danny McCormick. They've already shared his uh, address online. Uh, wow. People are uh, uh, making threats. Uh, we imagine that next Thursday is going to be chaos at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, in a week you're going to have, a lot of time for the left and for pro boards to bombard these legislators with lies, with mischaracterizations of the bill and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. So just continue to pray for the legislators there that they would uh, keep consistent with their convictions, mm-hmm. with their profession, mm-hmm. um, and that they would stay faithful to Christ first and foremost and uh, pass this bill. Jeff, it seems like you kind of found like a unicorn legislative session to work with. Um, these, you know, you you were in, you've been in Colorado, you've been in other states doing the same kind of thing, and you're and it's it's amazing how fast the traction you got in Louisiana. At least from my outside looking in, it seemed like this just happened really fast in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, uh, what is unique about Louisiana that's producing these kind of legislators? Well, there is still a strong remnant of a Christian culture in Louisiana. Um, Mardi Gras. Yeah, Mardi Gras. Um, <laughs> Yeah. No, you have a deep, deep commitments in many ways to the preservation of human life. Uh, Louisiana is one of the, the, um, the uh, largest, uh, has the largest number of uh, professing pro-lifers uh, in the nation. Um, I've heard That's some numbers of upwards of 70% uh, pro-life. And so you've got a lot of Christians in Louisiana that be, believe consistently on this issue. And um, even their governor is a Democrat, but he is also pro-life. That's right. um, mm-hmm. And so you, we knew that Louisiana uh, was going to be the place we had the most opportunity for the moment in terms of traction and victory because of just the cultural situation there, uh, predominantly pro-life. It's a, a majority pro-life legislature. And so we knew that this was the place we could invest um, in and see the most fruit instantly. Uh, but also in God's providence, and someday we'll have to tell the story about this so everyone can hear the amazing, miraculous things that happened. Uh, I ran into Brian Gunter, Pastor Brian Gunter, while I was at the SBC con- um, con- uh, annual convention thing oh, yeah. for members last year. We bumped into each other in this ginormous place in Nashville with tens of thousands of people. We just ran into each other. He told me, he was basically convinced of our position. He was there, but he had some questions. And, and could we find some time in the next couple of days uh, to, to talk? And I said, absolutely, we'll do that. So I think it was the next day I was about to do an interview with Tom Askell, and I got surrounded while we were setting up by this group of guys, uh, young guys who were blessed, blessed by our ministry, and they were all asking just random questions. And um, 
while I was answering all their questions, the issue of abortion came up and how we should fight against it. And while I was answering, I see Brian behind them and he's just sitting there listening. And when all these guys dispersed, Brian walked up to me. He said, all right, man, I'm there. Mm. You answered all my questions. That's it. Let's do it. And so it turns out Brian in God's providence has been the pastor in Louisiana that Mm -hmm. has worked for and with all the major pro-life organizations for years. And with that, he actually has been in all the legislators' offices for the last eight years working for the pro-life organizations, creating relationships. They know him. They respect him. They respect him all over Louisiana as sort of like the pastor over the pro-life movement in that state. Wow. Well, after he got connected to us, he started working. He started trying to challenge some of those people who were involved in the pro-life industry about their inconsistencies. He ended up obviously having to leave that and, uh, and so he's sort of our guy on the ground and wow. uh, all glory to God. But in terms of the means, how God has done this, he's done this in many ways through our coordinated efforts with Pastor Brian Gunter on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so he's been able to speak very personally to all the legislators that he knows, mm-hmm. uh, those he knows, especially that are Christians mm-hmm. and uh, really just been able to give the authority of scripture and God's word to them and call them to consistency as followers of Jesus Christ. And that has been the greatest victory here. So even ask the question, Gabe, like how this quick momentum, it seems like a unicorn corn situation. And the honest answer, and I, and this, I, this might seem simplistic to some people, but this is just the truth. This has just been a movement of faithfulness and consistency. Wow. And wow. that's it. I, that, mean, I can I tell lo- you right now. Yeah, I love that incremental no- work of Brian. Um, Jeff, you were just on the <laughs> phone with New York Times, and they're interviewing yeah. you about Louisiana. Uh, did you get a sense, uh, you know, being interviewed by New York Times, with kind of where they want to turn the narrative, where they want to kind of turn the conversation? What's their, you know, uh, did they kind of come after you? What happened? Well, they realized that they're now in contact with the people who are sort of leading from the front in this. And what I did express to them was this is not our thing. Um, There's no one in charge of this. There's no one at the top of this. This is just local Christian churches working with the word of (laughs) God and the gospel. Um, And so, you know, they realized though that they're now communicating with the people who are responsible for putting these bills into all these States and who are getting all these churches on board and so they want to continue a conversation with us um the woman that i talked to is very pleasant very respectful uh she's from arizona um she you know she just was asking questions of like well what makes this so distinctive like why are you guys different and what do you guys believe and and i told her fundamentally what this is is a movement of the christian church um this is a movement that has its the 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 vision of the authority of christ and and the word of god as the ultimate in this question of the issue of abortion and the gospel at the front of this conversation so i said one of the distinctives of what's happening now versus what you've seen in 50 years since Roe is that this is the Christian church responding. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, at, at one level, yes, we're leading from the front with the gospel, but on another level, what you're seeing happening across all these States is the Christian churches yeah. who are getting involved in speaking the gospel into their culture. Uh, so this is really a move of the Christian church and it's a move of the gospel in our culture Praise against God. the, uh, the uh, tyranny of abortion. Amen. Hey, Jeff, I want to ask you a question. The one that's been 
kind of rolling around in my head. It's probably actually it's a couple questions, and then I'll ask you my main question. How, what is the uh, rate of abortion there in Louisiana? How many people? How many people are aborted every year? Do you know? Seven thousand. Seven thousand. Do you know what the number of black uh, babies that are aborted there are? It's very significant. The people that I've talked to on the ground that go to those abortion mills, I think there's three of them in Louisiana. Uh, they say the line going out, by, by the way, the, they, they can't get enough abortionists in Louisiana for one thing. Mm. Um, and so there's a waiting list. Uh, some people are like two months out Shut waiting up. list oh to get their goodness. abortion. Oh my goodness. Uh, Cause there's not enough abortionists. Um, but from the people I've talked to on the ground, they say that the line coming out of the building of these abortion mills is almost predominantly black. So you look in America, black people make up 66% of the abortions in America. And I was just thinking about your law. Wait, wait, I'm thinking about your law that you're getting past there. Hopefully praise God. Let's pray for that. But you know, you think about it, Louisiana, with a law like this, is going to look a lot different all of a sudden with a lot of black people there. It's going to look a lot different. Mm -hmm. And so in one sense, we have more black people being allowed to live in, in Louisiana, but we're also going to have a huge case of fatherlessness as well. And so we're going to have a lot of broken families. How is it that you get... Uh, how is it that w with the blessing that God has given with more children being born, we don't turn Louisiana into the streets of Chicago because we don't have a culture now that knows mm -hmm. what has a family and fathers. And, you know, how do you get Louisiana not to look like Chicago, you know, with this situation or a better way to ask it, how do you handle this kind of blessing? God has given you children and yeah. now we have to cultivate them and make them, you know, create human flourishing. How do you fix that problem? Right. So, one of the blessings that we've seen in all this, well, okay, how do I put this? I don't want to put this in a way that's too derogatory or offensive. Um, we've been working for months in Louisiana, talking to a lot of churches, um, a lot of pastors. We've had uh, people at Apologia Church calling really around the clock to churches across the state. They all agree with us. I would say most of them agree with us. Um, but one of the things that we've heard from them is that their focus has been on pregnancy centers, resources for mothers, really caring for orphans and those sorts of things. What they many of them have, have, have stated is that they really want to focus on those areas of caring for people's needs and those sorts of things. And they have ministries prepared for stuff like that. They're doing ministry like that. A lot of them have had trepidation and fear about really involving themselves in this issue of actually establishing justice and criminalizing it. So like, for example, I stepped into one of the largest Baptist churches in all of Louisiana last week. Um, I won't mention its name and um, it is significant. It's a mega church, um, very popular. I walked right into the pastor's office with no invitation just to ask him to attend the rally or if he knew what was going on with our bill. He knew who I was. He knew about our rally. He fully supported it. But not him nor anybody from his church was at our rally. Mm. But their church has a number of ministries related to the issue of adoption and, and, and orphans and, you know, caring for mothers and those sorts of things. And so all that to say, on the one hand, I would love to see more of the churches in Louisiana involved in the actual aspect of establishing justice so we're not killing them. But on the other hand, one thing you can say is that these churches – 
everyone that we've talked to are fully committed and happy to be involved in the issue of orphan care, caring for children, adoption, caring for these mothers and those sorts of things. And so um, I will say that um, one of the great blessings we had over the last week is we had, uh, what's his name, the president of, or the, he's the head of, uh, essentially the Baptist convention in Louisiana. They represent 1600 Baptist churches in Louisiana. Mm. They came to the hearing. He came to the hearing and he basically told the legislators he wanted them to pass HB 813. So now we wow. actually have the support of the Louisiana, Louisiana family forum, the Louisiana, uh, Louisiana Baptist convention, um, who are all fully behind this bill, but they represent a large number of Christian uh, uh, communities uh-huh. across the state of Louisiana uh-huh. who are fully prepared to, to work in the area of, of families and fatherlessness and caring for these needs. But I'll just be honest. Uh, I'll be honest. I think this will be a moment of correction for us as the Christian church. It'll be a moment of correction when justice is established for these preborn children and you're not allowed to murder them anymore in the state of Louisiana, I'm praying that it actually uh, raises Christ's church up across denominations to actually now get involved deeply and heavenly in this issue of righteousness in our society. And so I, I'm hopeful for that, brother. And I do believe that if the Christian church does anything well, uh, that's one of the areas that we that we do very, very well and we work in well. And um, I, I will say, I think it's always seemed this way to me that it's easier to get Christian churches to establish mercy ministries that care for people's needs than it is to get Christian churches and actually engaged in hostile territory and conflict where they have to actually take hits for establishing justice. It's much easier to say to somebody, a Baptist church, will you start a ministry for uh, fatherless children? It's easier to do that than to get them to come to the legislature to call them to repentance. Mm. You know, it also strikes me. I think everything that Jeff just said there is, is, spot on, but I also just think that we cannot underestimate the blessing it will be to the land. Uh-huh. That's right. When there is to stop when, bloodshed. When there's when the bloodshed yeah. is is ending. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that we realize what the innocent blood crying out does yeah. in, in a land, how it curses a people. Uh-huh. That's right. And it makes us it's a it, it's a curse and it makes us judicially cursed by God. And and we and we're, we're running around blind. Yeah. Um, but and when yeah, yeah. but if God is merciful and ends the bloodshed, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too. Is we just yeah. we trust Him, and I think He blesses people. Yeah. And then I and I do think you've got all these ministries maybe already poised, ready to pick it up. Yeah. And I also think maybe maybe a, the clouds kind of part in a certain way, mm-hmm. and and God's blessing is smiling on the land. We talked about this for a long time, Gabe. You mentioned this a long time ago as we've been talking about this. That if God will be merciful and states could start. Ending abortion, mm-hmm. you're going to have these really stark contrast between yeah, right. places right. like California, where Newsom wants to kill them, maybe even after they're born, and yep. New York City, you know, yep. all the rest of these Washington, places, Washington yeah. State. But then, if God's kind and merciful and gives courage to a number of these states that really mm-hmm. do have Christian and pro-life majorities, yeah. um, what does it look like over a generation? Yeah, uh, yeah. over forty years, uh, where, where we yeah. stop killing babies and we begin welcoming them into to, to our families, into our churches. Um, I think I think this, the contrast there could be stark and, and really, really glorious. Mm. Amen. Hey, Jeff, what's the website that people can go and help? I, I, two things, the website and how can people be praying for the bill in Louisiana? 
I'm glad you asked that. So endabortionnow.com is where you can go to get um, to help, to support, to get trained and resources from us. Uh, I would say keep keep your eyes peeled for Apologia Studios over the next week. We're going to be posting stuff constantly from the ground in Louisiana. Okay. Um, what everyone can do right now to help us and to actually be a part of this, and I mean that, uh, this is not our thing. It's our thing as the Christian church. That's really important for me to say that. Yes, we're trying to lead from the front. Yes, we're responsible for getting these bills in, but it's not our thing. It's, this is just the gospel. It's just Christians doing the work of, of, of that we're, they're called to do. So this is truly our thing as the mm-hmm. Christian church. Mm-hmm. God's given to us a bill of equal protection of criminalization and abolition in the state of Louisiana. Um, we need your help. And the way that you can help right now to actually establish justice for preborn children in Louisiana is call the Louisiana legislators, the House of Representatives, all of the representatives. You don't need to even curse them. Just, you know, saying this is not a challenging moment towards them in terms of like argumentative. Yep. Just tell them that you are praying for them, that you're that you are anticipating them passing HBA 13, that you want to encourage them to pass HBA 13, mm-hmm. that you will stand behind them, that you will encourage them, lift them up in prayer, that they're doing the right thing before Jesus Christ. Um, that took how long did it take me to say that? Uh, 15 seconds. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Call, call the legislators in the house of representatives in Louisiana and say, I, I am praying for you and I expect you to pass HBA 13. Do your duty before God, do what's right before God and for these children yeah. and uh, pass HBA 13. I love you. I'm praying for you. Just call all of those house of representatives. Uh, the hearing is, it's not the hearing. The vote is scheduled for Thursday. Um, I don't know exactly what time, uh, maybe 2 p.m., but you need to have yourself, your pastors, your churches, everyone, Mm -hmm. let their phone not stop ringing all day, every day. Because remember, um, while they have said, many of them, they're passing HBA 13 to establish justice for the preborn, don't forget, uh, we still have a week to go uh, where they are going to get nailed. I mean, the Rolling Stones is posting about this. The New York Times, the the Post, yep. uh, I mean, That's you right. name That's it, right. Forbes, everybody is posting. CNN, MSNBC is all posting about this. You've got women saying on threads on Twitter that they should send Danny McCormick their used tampons to oh. his house, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. you got a week now before this thing goes down where they're going to get an onslaught yep. of mm-hmm. attack from demons. Mm-hmm. And That's right. You need to be there as Christians to encourage them as believers, as legislators, be Mm -hmm. faithful. You are doing the right thing before God. Say yes to this bill. You know that it's right. Do your duty before God. Uh, Mm -hmm. They need encouragement. So we need their phones, honestly, to ring day and night uh, from Christians across this country to say you're doing what's right before God. Mm -hmm. You know, and here's the thing. Actually, just just work with a bunch of people in your church and divide up who to call because there's a lot of legislators call. Make it real simple and your church can can do that. that. Be praying for Jeff. He's got a cold or something. We need that man healthy. So (laughs) (laughs) if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. You know what to do. This is Cross Politics.